Welcome to the Net Positive Podcast, a series of podcasts on clean energy and the environment. The Net Positive is about crafting healthy communities and a sustainable world. These explorations are designed to educate and inspire. That's when we get action. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and welcome to this edition of the Net Positive Podcast. Featuring Econet News, Volume 22, Issue Number 3, July 2020. And we begin with the quote of the week. During one of the most challenging years New York has ever faced, we remain laser-focused on implementing our nation-leading climate plan and growing our clean energy economy. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Flanagan's Ecologic, Big Time Renewables. Great news, especially for those of us proud of New York roots. July 21st, Vice President Al Gore was at New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's side to witness the signing of a bill for the largest combined renewable energy solicitation in the United States. It calls for 4,000 megawatts of clean energy, made up of 2,500 megawatts of offshore wind, and 1,500 megawatts of solar in increments of 20 megawatts and up. This is big-time renewables, what many of us have dreamed to come true. The bill is expected to spur $7 billion in direct investments and to create 4,500 jobs on the path to meeting New York's climate protection goals. This is New York's second offshore wind solicitation, The first was in 2018 for 1,700 megawatts. This one involves incentives for a multi-port strategy linking wind contractors with select New York seaports eager for economic development and to coordinate operations and maintenance activities for offshore wind operations. The solicitation and its results will bring New York halfway to meeting its 9,000 megawatt goal for renewable power by 2035. The state is also on track to secure 70% of its power requirement from renewables by 2030. New York's clean energy action and similar actions around the country are making waves. The Energy Information Administration of the U.S. DOE announced in May that renewables provided 25.3% of the country's power, topping one quarter of our national power thirst for the first time ever. For those of us deeply concerned about the state of the climate and our planet, presumptive U.S. presidential candidate Joe Biden's $2 trillion proclamation supporting clean energy jobs and infrastructure is big-time and welcome news. It's a platform that excites me, potentially resulting in a massive focus and infusion in the clean energy sector that's so ripe for scale. I've admired Washington Governor Jay Inslee for his concern and commitment. In my view, the plan that he championed was spot on. Love the spirit of the Green New Deal. These are the foundations of Biden's new plan. Now we have a presidential candidate using clean energy and the energy industry's critical transformation to being carbon-free to stimulate the economy. It's a smart way to address the dual post-pandemic economic and climate challenges. The Biden plan is big and bold. Imagine a 
$2 trillion investment over four years in infrastructure, transit, buildings, housing, and agriculture, creating a million new jobs. Pledge to eliminate carbon pollution from power plants by 2035. Requirement that all new buildings have a net zero emissions by 2030. Plan to install 500 million solar panels and 60,000 wind turbines over the next five years, cutting emissions in half from existing buildings with energy efficiency upgrades. This Econet News issue presents futuristic concepts that are no longer futuristic. Plastic bottles replaced with paper bottles, bike lanes replacing lanes of traffic heretofore reserved for cars, wireless EV charging. The issue is about beating aggressive targets. SMUD accelerating its carbon neutrality goal by a decade. Now Biden accelerating his primary climate platform by 15 years and boosting it from $170 billion a year to $500 billion a year. He gets it. The climate emergency is serious stuff that needs huge attention right now. Biking in the pandemic. A small but silver lining. The coronavirus has accelerated the shift to pedal power in Europe and the United States. The German Cycling Association, ADFC, reports that Germans across the country are spending twice as much time biking as they were before the pandemic. There is surging demand for bikes and shared bike subscriptions, and now even shortages throughout bicycle supply chain. For bike shops, it's an unprecedented boom, so much so that it requires cities to improve their biking infrastructure. In unimagined numbers, bikes are starting to squeeze out cars in our cities, this uptick in cycling has spurred 930 miles of new bike lanes in Europe, muscling aside cars on Europe's city streets, according to the European Cyclist Federation. Belgium, Denmark, and the Netherlands are pioneering fast lanes for commuters. Pop-up lanes are being used for bikes in Berlin and Paris. Rome has painted new bike lanes, in each case taking away lanes from cars. Germany is the largest bicycle market in Europe with 1.36 million bikes sold in 2019, and now a surge in demand. That compares with 3.6 million cars sold last year. According to Bloomberg Energy News, that volume tumbled 35% in the first half of 2020. Women riders are reportedly a big factor in the biking revolution. E-bikes are too. E-bikes use an onboard battery to boost power to, to the drivetrain, when the rider is going up a hill or, or just needs a rest. E-bikes have removed the sweat factor. Who wants to show up to work or, or a party sweaty? Many Europeans that use e-bikes see them as substitutes for their cars. They are switching to bikes and e-bikes for their commutes to improve health and fitness to save money because they enjoy riding and for the sake of the environment. Nine in ten Danes owns a bike. Only four in ten own a car. The European Cyclist Federation states that bikes are strongly supported by European governments to cut carbon and increase the quality of their cities. European countries provide direct financial incentives for cyclists. At the end of April, France announced a 20 million euro plan to promote cycling after the end of the lockdown. The plan includes 50 euro vouchers for the repair of a, of a bike. Italy worked on a decree for COVID recovery whereby 120 million euro was set aside for purchase subsidies covering 70% and up to 500 euro of the price of conventional muscle-powered and electric bikes. Not to be outdone, go USA! Our country's bike shops are booming too. They have been record 
online bike sales. One survey found that nationwide bike sales have doubled. Leisure bikes up 121%. Commuter bikes up 66%. E-bikes up 85%. A bike shop in Brooklyn, New York claimed sales 600% of that a year ago. Hard to find a sub thousand dollar bikes in Chicago. For Richard's Bike Mart in North Texas, sales are up 30%. It's hiring new staff for repair services. Many shops have long wait lists for bikes. A DC retailer noted its largest sales volume in 50 years of operating the shop. Hundreds of thousands of Americans are flocking to one of the most basic forms of mobility, the bike. Many are taking up cycling for the first time in 10, 20, 30 years. It's a good form of socially distanced exercise, especially now with gyms closed. Trek magazine reports that its survey of adult bikers found that 21% plan to ride more during the pandemic, and 50% say they keep it up post-pandemic. The pandemic will likely permanently transform society in many ways, and biking is one of them. This dramatic uptick is and will be changing the urban infrastructure. In April, New York City temporarily opened 100 miles of roads to pedestrians and cyclists. Oakland shut down 10% of its streets during the pandemic for cars. There's now even a bike shortage, lagging behind the PPE shortage due to tariffs on bikes from China, lower production, and fewer imports. As the benefits of biking become ingrained in our lives, our urban infrastructure will change too, with less focus on cars and more on the cycling form of active transportation. Micro-schooling. Thanks to my friend and colleague Eric Hall for bringing micro-schooling to my attention. It may have a big impact on our young minds, as well as our energy consumption. Read later in this issue that school transportation energy use can be nearly double school facility energy use. Micro-schooling is about rethinking the traditional education model to better prepare students for the future. It's about parents who are concerned both about the safety of their children and who are also concerned about the inadequacies of remote learning. Microschooling is like a modern one-room schoolhouse, a cooperative arrangement between families with students of varying ages who meet in small groups to take instruction by a licensed professional teacher or a homeschooler instructor. The result is small neighborhood schools what some call pandemic pods, that usually have less than 10 to 15 students. High-speed rail to Vegas. The vision of taking a high-speed train to Vegas is many Californians' dream. Traffic on Interstate 15 to and from Vegas can be the ultimate antidote to fun in the Sin City. The train will be fast and stress-free. A private developer named Express West recently entered into a lease agreement with the California Department of Transportation to construct its rail line on the Interstate 15 median. About 135 miles of the Express West 150-mile route is in California, in parts passing through lands managed by the Bureau of Land Management and the National Park Service. The privately financed project is slated to cost $7 billion. It will first link Las Vegas and Victorville later extending another 80 miles into Los Angeles. Formerly known as Desert Express, the original plan had been to go to Palmdale and to connect with the California high-speed rail there. Now the intent is to get all the way to Los Angeles, tying in with the California high-speed rail network and Amtrak and regional Metrolink and Metro. 
The Rail to Vegas concept has had a history of funding challenges. It has been backed by the hotel management group Marnell and later experienced a failed partnership attempt with China Railways International. Ultimately, the project was bought by a Florida-based passenger rail operator, then called Brightline. Now the Express West is backed by Virgin Trains USA, the only privately owned and operated intercity passenger railroad in the United States. Portland's Virtual Power Plant The notion of a virtual power plant is reminiscent to me of the days of the residential power plant powered by energy efficiency. Today's virtual power plants, however, are all about distributed energy storage. Imagine batteries in every home to mollify spikes in the grid to optimize on renewables intermittent production, and if the grid goes down, to, pro to provide homeowners with a modicum of resilience, 12 to 18 kilowatt hours of it. Portland General Electric's virtual power plant is not the first in the country. Green Mountain Power has been providing its customers with Tesla power walls for some time. These programs speak to the power of the masses. What if every home stored 18 kilowatt hours that could be released as programmed? In Glendale, where I live, there are 50,000 residential customers. If everyone hosted a storage device, as far-fetched as it may seem, that's 900,000 kilowatt hours. If discharged over a six-hour period, that would represent a 150 megawatt power plant. Already, our progressive utility is planning on 75 megawatts of storage. A virtual power plant might triple that. Big Energy Storage The largest battery in the country, 62.5 megawatts, was connected to the California Independent System Operator, GRID, in June. It's the first phase of LS Power Group's Gateway Energy Storage Project in San Diego County. The complete 250-megawatt project will come online in August and will be the largest battery system in the world. A turning point, noted CAISO President and CEO Steve Berberich. Another storage project slated to come online soon is Vistra Energy's Moss Landing 300-megawatt storage project. The ISO has 216 megawatts of operational commercial storage capacity. That figure will rise to 923 megawatts by the end of the year. That's six times the 136 megawatts that was online at the beginning of 2020. In July, the California PUC decided to use storage as the marginal resource instead of natural gas-fired turbines in determining the avoided cost of generation. This move, some say, is part of a growing consensus that renewables will become California's primary energy source, and not just in the middle of the day as storage flattens the duck curve. There are approximately 170 battery systems greater than one megawatt in the United States today. Storage is becoming competitive with other marginal resources. According to the Natural Resources Defense Council, this evolution is largely being driven by carbon reduction and clean energy goals at the state level. Analysts calculate that for California to be carbon-free by 2045, it will require 1,500 megawatts of battery storage to fully utilize intermittent renewables as the backbone of electricity generation. The Long-Term Energy Storage Association advocates for short and long-term storage solutions. Dave Freeman's SMUD Legacy 
Well, let's hand it to Dave. After all, he was the captain of the ship when SMUD, the Sacramento Municipal Utility District, ditched nuclear at Rancho Seco and went instead with efficiency and renewables. That's S for Simon, David Freeman. He was president. My colorful, witty, and ruthless former boss at LADWP, he recently passed away after a brilliant career with many meaningful contributions to public service. Under his quite revolutionary direction, SMUD became a cutting-edge utility and still is. He set the tone years ago to accomplish the unthinkable ahead of schedule. This past week, SMUD announced his goal to be 100% renewably powered by 2030, 15 years ahead of SB 100's 2045 mandate. Its climate emergency declaration was unanimously approved by the SMUD board. SMUD now plans $7 billion in investments in the next two decades. These include 2,900 megawatts of new carbon-free resources, including 1,500 megawatts of utility-scale solar, 670 megawatts of wind, and 560 megawatts of utility-scale storage. SMUD serves a population of 1.5 million. It emitted 1,750,000 tons of CO2-equivalent greenhouse gases in 2018. That's half of its 1990s levels. It had developed a plan to reach carbon neutrality by 2040, but later, and after a string of horrific forest fires in California, the effects of climate became patently apparent to the SMUD board and to the community, so the utility accelerated its timeline by a decade. According to the Smart Electric Power Alliance, 56 utilities across the country have public carbon emissions reductions goals, committing to be carbon-free or net zero by 2050. Paper bottles. Over the past decade, there has been increasing concern about single-use plastics. Microplastics have leached toxins into the world's oceans and water supplies. There are now 100 million tons of plastics in the ocean. A report developed by the World Economic Forum states that by 2050, there will be more plastic in the oceans by weight than fish. Awareness of this travesty is rising. Industries are innovating and scurrying for alternative solutions. Given concerns about plastics, in 2019, Pepsi pledged to reduce virgin plastic content across its beverage business by 35%. It also pledged that 100% of its packaging will be recyclable, compostable, or biodegradable by 2025. It has now reached 90% of that goal. Pepsi has been trying alternatives to plastic, including aluminum cans for its Aquafina water product. It has used recyclable molded pulp rings for sixes of its soda cans to protect wildlife. Now it has an agreement in place with Pulpex Limited, a sustainable packaging technology company that boasts creating the world's first 100% plastic-free, paper-based spirits bottle. Plastic-free, paper-made bottles developed by Pulpex are poised to debut in 2021. Its bottles are made entirely from sustainably sourced wood. Early in the year, Diageo will introduce the Pulpex bottles for its Johnny Walker Scotch Whiskey. Then Pepsi will follow suit and will offer beverages in the new bottles. Unilever will use the technology for its personal and household care products. Pulpex is fully recyclable in standard waste streams. Developing a paper bottle that can hold liquids and still be 100% plastic-free hasn't been easy. 
While layered packaging solutions hold liquids better, they can't easily be recycled. Tetra Pak uses layer of polyethylene, paper, and aluminum. Carlsberg, as well as Coca-Cola, has been working with the Danish company Avantium to develop a bioplastic to line the insides of its paper beer bottles. The bioplastic is created from sugars extracted from sustainably grown plants. Carlsberg hopes to sell its Pilsner in cardboard bottles, bottles that will decompose in one year in a composter. Wireless EV Charging Wireless EV charging has been discussed for some time. Inductive charging works for smartphones and electric toothbrushes. There have been efforts to develop it for cars by Kia and BMW. Jaguar considered incorporating wireless charging for its Norwegian taxi industry and its new iPace. Now an Australian company by the name of Lumen Freedom has become the first in the world to receive certification that allows for public use of wireless car charging. Lumen believes that its resonant magnetic induction charging system will change recharging forever, thanks to its ease. Lumen Freedom now offers a single-box 11KW system. The company has developed the power source and the required ground assembly, and the part that needs to be fitted to the electric vehicle. It's not waiting for car manufacturers to do so. Boston-based company Ytricity has licensed the Luminum Freedom technology. Furthermore, Lumen is working on technology so cars can be charged even when moving. A U.S. company is also gearing up. Eventran from Richmond, Virginia, offers its plugless system for Tesla Model S, BMW i3, Nissan Leafs, and Chevy Volts. The plugless system is based on two magnetic coils, one in a parking pad and the other mounted to the underside of the EV. The system works by passing power over the air gap. It claims the world's leading autonomous charging station, with over a million hours of field testing. Plugless charges at the same speed as a level 2 charger, 240 volts, 50 amps, providing 20 to 25 miles of range per hour. Ecomotion Works. Greener You. Ecomotion is pleased to announce a partnership with Greener View that was formed in June. Greener U and Ecomotion have joined forces to promote solar and efficiency for New England colleges and universities. Ecomotion's benefactor investment model will offer innovative financing for solar, efficiency, storage, and controls to Greener U's clients. LCFS Analysis Ecomotion analyzed and presented our findings on California's Low Carbon Fuel Standard Program and notably its relevant credits to the Chula Vista Elementary School District. Thanks to CVESD's 10 new e-buses that will be powered with the sun, triggering the LCFS zero carbon intensity pathway, CVESD is poised for significant annual saving. Ecomotion's analysis includes the district CNG buses, which also are currently eligible to earn credits. Strategic Energy Management at the end of June, in partnership with the Murley Consulting Group, Ecomotion delivered a Strategic Energy Management Plan, SEMP, and a 90-minute presentation to Murrieta Valley Unified School District officials. The SEMP provides context, baseline conditions, alternative paths for the future, the economics of additional solar, and specific recommendations on additional energy management steps to save energy, carbon, and the environment. Interesting finding. Transportation energy, 
a cost borne by the district and community, is nearly twice the cost of powering, heating, and cooling the campuses. GCCD Fuel Cell Energy Strategy Validation In July, EcoMotion completed a fuel cell energy strategy validation study for the Glendale, California Community College District. The study explores an array of options to power the future and then focuses on two, solar and fuel cells. Each provides significant benefits, limited by utility regulations. The validation study provides in-depth financial and environmental analysis and concludes with six specific recommendations for the college. The environmental analysis compares fuel cell emissions with grid emissions, current and future, as well as marginal power plants based on the utilities integrated resource plan. We've gone virtual. This past month, EcoMotion went virtual. As a team, we decided to give up our hip and centrally located downtown LA office and to continue to walk the latest talk, which is Zoom everything and to go virtual. So we packed up and moved out. Our official business address in Glendale is listed below on this newsletter. OfferUp is another disruptive technology that makes great sense. It's a reuse application. We've been posting office furniture, rugs, file cabinets, ergonomic chairs, and even our classic and quite massive EcoMotion solar work tables. OfferUp and similar services provide the ability to stay at home and sell good stuff at a fair price with cash transactions outdoors. Love it. It's rewarding to feel the enthusiasm of a buyer getting a good deal for something that has lost its utility and luster to me. That's quite something. Always unexpected and nice. But in fairness, not all good. One buyer hastily cut a three-point turn on our front lawn after buying a bookshelf. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of The Net Positive. We'll see you next time.